prophet Isaiah made the statement. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. He was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. When Isaiah saw that vision, it wasn't like that because Isaiah got to see the vision that then the Lord was high and lifted up. He said, when I saw him, he was high and lifted up. He is so holy. Even when I'm not, he's holy. Isaiah was so consumed with what he saw. He said, I started seeing these angels fly. And he said, I realized when I saw the holiness of God, how impure I was. And he said, I, I told the Lord then, I want you to get a coal and put it on my mouth. Because I'm a man of unclean lips. I don't ever want to get to the place that I despise the conviction of the Holy Ghost. When God is trying to reveal to me things that are so much more holy than I could have ever imagined. I don't ever want my prayer to be God. I don't, I don't want to pay the price if that's what I have to do. I want my prayer to be God, thank you for revealing your holiness to me. Now would you cleanse me and bring me into alignment with your holiness. Amen. We are to be holy for he is holy. To be holy as he is holy. And I'm thankful to be a part of a church that loves the holiness of God. Tonight, um, to be quite honest with you, I don't even know how to start. There's so much to unpack of what the Lord has been dealing with me about. Several weeks ago, I was in the book of Ezekiel. It was early in the morning. And I got to the book of Ezekiel, the 13th chapter, and I noticed something that I had never noticed before, that I had never really paid attention to. You know, Ezekiel uh, was a powerful prophet, and usually when we preach about Ezekiel, we preach about the vision that he had in the Valley of Dry Bones. And that's one of my favorite uh, things to preach. I love that because it was... It was a mess. It was like my life and your life until the Holy Ghost moves on us. We're scattered and we're in a million pieces. But isn't it something how when the Lord breathes on your life, how he's able to bring things together and make it a beautiful thing again. And, and uh, the more you look at Ezekiel's ministry and the power of what he says, it's not always just that God's going to bring this back together, but Ezekiel is very much a prophet of reproof. He's, he spends a lot of time reproofing, reproving the children of Israel and reproving even false prophets. And so that's where Ezekiel chapter 13 kind of picks up. And you get this picture of Ezekiel, the prophet of the Lord, standing all by himself against the false prophets of Israel. And I'm going to say something to you tonight. It's prophetic in nature. It's predictive, however you want to define it. But I'm making a prediction to you tonight that God is right now revealing and refining some things. And God's Spirit is working to and fro in the earth right now, revealing what is truth and what's false. I've been praying and asking God for that moment where the, the prophets of God are truly 
found because, not because of who they are, but because of the fire that's consuming their sacrifice. You can't have arrogance and God consume your sacrifice. But I do believe with all my heart that we're getting ready to see the fire fall. And when the fire falls, we will see then who is God. And I believe that God is showing us right now who his people are. And I, I don't want this to look at all like uh, gloom and doom. But I do, I do want to remind you tonight that it's still a narrow way. It's still a narrow way. And few there be that find it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And I believe that God is going to show us in the weeks, months, and if the Lord withholds His coming in the years to come, I don't believe it could be too much longer. But we are seeing what I believe to be the final sifting. And God is revealing some things. And so... While I do believe that Ezekiel was speaking specifically to the children of Israel and that he was a prophet specifically to them, I do believe that his prophetic words that he spoke certainly can be relative to where we are today. I believe that even his prophetic word in the valley was specifically for the children of Israel, but I also believe that God can take our lives that are scattered and pull them back together. So with that thought in mind, I want to draw a parallel with you and for you tonight from the 13th chapter that it was prophetic to the false prophets that were in the land of Israel. But I believe that that same prophetic word is very much relative to where we are today with the false prophets that are speaking and I will tell you from the start tonight that I don't plan on uh, I don't plan on putting on my light loafers to walk through here this evening. Amen. We're just going to go ahead and upset the fruit basket tonight and let the devil know that no matter what trick he tries, somebody's still going to serve the Lord. I know what the devil wants you to believe. He wants you to believe that everybody's compromising, but they're not. He wants you to believe that everybody's carnal, but they're not. He wants you to believe that all the churches are given in, but they're not. How do you know that? Because John said when he saw a number, he said it was 10,000 upon 10,000. It was a group of overcomers that overcame the accuser by the blood of the lamb, and the word of the testimony. What are you saying, pastor? Somebody is going to overcome. And I don't believe you're going to make up your mind come rapture day if you're going to be one of those you got to make up your mind right now if you're going to be in that number. Praise God. So, I just want to kind of hop around. You can remain seated. But I want you to go to Ezekiel 13 with me. Um, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's go ahead and stand in honor and respect to the word of the Lord. And then I'll have you be seated. I'm going to read just a short, a short little blip. Here, if I could, Ezekiel 13 and verse 17. Let's do that at 13 and 17. If you're there, say amen. Likewise, thou son of man, set thy face 
against the daughters of thy people, which prophesy out of their own heart and prophesy. Somebody say this word with me. Prophesy against. Well, this is not comfortable language. He said, I want you to, I want you to say something. I have a message for these women, these false prophetesses that are prophesying out of their own. When he said their own heart, he was saying out of their own understanding. We'll clarify this in just a moment. He said, but I want you to give a message to these false prophetesses who are prophesying out of their own understanding. And I want you to prophesy. He didn't say prophesy to them. He said, I want you to prophesy against them. And this is powerful language. He said, and this is what I want you to say. Thus saith the Lord God, woe to the women that sew pillows to all armholes and make kerchiefs upon the head of every stature to hunt souls. Will you hunt the souls of my people and will you save the souls alive that come unto you? And will you pollute me among my people for handfuls of barley? And for pieces of bread. Will you pollute my people for handfuls of barley. And for pieces of bread. The Lord said Ezekiel I want you to prophesy against the women. That sow pillows. I'm going to preach to you tonight. Woe to the pillow makers. Woe to the pillow makers. You may be seated. Now, folks, I'm going to need you to put your seatbelts on tonight because we're going to go somewhere. And I want you to stay with me. But God's been working on my spirit for a few weeks. He's right there in front of Bishop where everybody can see him. That's, a, that's one of the best helpers I've ever had right there. You're better than Vanna White was to Bob Barker. <laughs> I, might, I might have you come up here in a minute when they start solving it. Just turn that pillow like Vanna. Now, I want you folks to understand tonight that this, this is going to have some weight to it. It's pretty heavy, but it's been heavy on me all day today. Set my office today most of the day just seeking God for what all of this means and how it all comes together. Uh, the word of the Lord came unto me saying in the first verse of chapter 13, he said, Son of man, and here's that language again. Prophesy against. Let's say that word together. Against. The prophets of Israel that prophesy. And say thou unto them that prophesy. Here's the same language. Out of their own hearts. Hear the word of the Lord. How is a false prophecy Exposed. It is exposed by the authentic word of God. Do you know that when bankers are being trained, they don't show them counterfeit money. They show them real money. When you learn what real money looks like, that's how you learn to spot counterfeit. But what's so amazing to me is that we've got counterfeit prophets 
and counterfeit giftings of people throughout the land. And so churches that should be allowed the gifts of the Spirit to flow freely have shut down the authentic because of a few counterfeits. And the only way to expose the counterfeit is by a revival of the authentic. But what we've come down to, and I'm just going to walk in this right now, is that we have started judging men and women by their gifting. The scripture said that when we've been filled by the Holy Ghost, that we have access to 18 things. Nine of them are gifts, and nine of them are fruit. The scripture nowhere says that a man is judged by his gift. But it does say that a man is judged by his fruit. And in our movement, we become addicted to exhilaration and we judge men by their gift. We want someone to come preach for us because of their gift. They function in this gift or that gift and they flow in the gifts of the spirit. We have people come in and we say, yeah, that guy's got a pretty good ministry. He, he operates in the gifts. And if you want to have a big turnout for revival, get somebody that operates in the gifts. Because people will come watch somebody touch fingers to noses for four or five nights. They won't come here, somebody that preaches on prayer. Well, I'm just going to preach to you tonight. I'm already pulling that freight train in here just a little bit. It's going to get moving in just a second, though. We love gifts. But men are not to be judged by their gifts. They are to be judged by their fruit. Because I know people who are gifted but bear no fruit. Woo! A few years ago, the Olympic Games, there were some issues that transpired. The Russian team, uh, and I, I'm not sure how all this is going to work being transcribed online. If you say Russia, who knows what's going to happen. But the Russian team, the whole team got disqualified from the Olympic Games because of doping. Now, to be quite honest with you, I'm not real sure why the Olympic board or whatever you call them decided to start penalizing athletes for doping because they've all been doping for a long time. But for some reason, and it may have been political, I don't know how all that operates, but the entire Russian team was penalized because they were doping. Now, I want to ask you a question tonight, and I want the show of hands by how many of you feel like that those athletes had trained for a lifetime for those games? Yeah? How many of you believe that they were qualified athletes? How many of you believe that when it came to running, they still had stamina? How many of you believe if they were swimmers, they still knew how to swim? So the problem was not their gift. We look at people in the kingdom of God and we say, yeah, man, that guy's gifted. But my question is, what kind of fruit does he have? How does he treat his wife? His first one. Is he willing to stay married when it's not easy? Or is he willing to disqualify himself from the pulpit? But we'll continue to bless them because of their giftings. Woo! 
It's amazing the things that we put up with because people are gifted. I preached several years ago here about Demas in this church when Paul said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And I had been studying that some time ago and felt the Holy Ghost speak to me and ask me the question, would Demas even feel like he had to leave this church to live that way? There was something in the heart of Demas that made him feel like if I want to live like this, I cannot do it in an apostolic atmosphere. Yet in this generation, we are so attached to what people have to offer. And I'm preaching tonight, woe to the pillow makers. And that'll make sense in just a minute. But it's amazing what guys that call themselves apostolic will put up with to keep a tithe payer. Guys would rather fill their pews with people that have money than they would people that are hungry for a move of God. Listen, I'm telling you tonight that God has been pushing us and God has been pulling us in this church. There's something that's been happening over the last little while. It's a transition in the spirit and God has been pulling and pushing on us. And in that pushing, there has been some shaking. And I've watched as the Holy Ghost is calling us deeper and some of us have got afraid of where God's calling us to. So instead of going deeper, we've ran to the shallows. We started acting like we're juvenile in the faith again. We started acting like we love the things of this world again. And the Holy Ghost is calling us tonight saying, I didn't make you uncomfortable to get you to revert back to what you were. I've made you uncomfortable to make you more into what I want you to be. Come on now. In a movement that should be separated from the world in every, in every way, in every way. Not just our worship, but in our living. Somebody, somebody may say, well, I don't really care. God doesn't really care about what I do with my body and how I, I treat my body because, uh, all he cares about is my soul. I find that very interesting because we were commanded, we were, we were told by the great apostle that we, would, we were beseeched, is the King James word, that we would present our... So y'all are already preaching it. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that ye present your... Your body. God does care what we do with our body. Our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. That apostle said, know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He said, don't you know that you are not your own? You've been bought with a price. I'm telling you what that means is that everywhere we go, we are to continually be a witness of the goodness of the Lord. Jesus Christ said it like this. He said, let your light so shine before men that they would see your good works. Everybody say my work. That they would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The Lord said the way that God is glorified is when men see the difference in your works. So when we go everywhere the world goes and we look like the world looks and we wear what the world wears, is it any wonder that God's not being glorified? And it's amazing to me. Because we rejoice in the fact that we are a 
holiness movement. We love to talk about being a holiness movement and that we're separated from the world. But follow me if you would, please. And I'll tell you what I've seen in my lifetime of serving the Lord. It's not that we're not separated from the world, but we're the same distance from the world that we were 40 years ago. What's that mean, Pastor? I'm saying that as the world has moved further and further away, the church has kept that distance, but we've continued to follow after the world. And things that used to be off limits, they're not off limits anymore. And it's not because we're not separate. We're just as separate as we've always been. But at some point, the church is going to have to establish ourselves on a solid rock and say we are not going to capitulate to every spirit of the age Let the world go as far as they're going to go. But as for me and my house, I'm going to stay right here and serve the Lord. Sometimes I wonder if we're afraid that people are going to notice that we're different. You know, it'd be real hard for people to know that you're different even if you dress different. But you treat your server like trash when your steak's overdone. Y'all know I preach it from this pulpit. If you can't afford to pay a tip, you can't afford to go out to eat. I've had steaks come raw. I've had them come overcooked. Sometimes I send them back. Sometimes I don't. And when they come back to my table apologizing over and over and over and over and over and over and over, I don't make a big deal about it. I say, hey, it's not your problem. No big deal. It's just a mistake. It happens. It's life. But I've gone out to eat with some people. I ain't going back again. People need to know that we got a little something to be happy about. Come on now. They need to know we got something to be happy about. We're not just different because we go to a different church. We're different because we're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when you got the Holy Ghost, there's a difference in your life. So the Lord starts dealing with this and he says to Ezekiel, he said, I want you to prophesy against these people that are prophesying and blaming it on me. He said, woe unto the foolish spirits, in verse 3, that follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. This is so powerful. I wish I could break this down Gerber style where y'all could get it. He said, I want you, I want you to send a warning to these so-called prophets that the only thing they're doing is following after their own spirit. But they've seen Nothing. Church, I'm going to be as real with you as I've ever been. But I am, I, I am appalled by the things that we see in this society that calls itself godliness. I preached on this a little bit a few weeks ago. And it troubles me to see the people that are getting record labels in Christian music. They're not Christians. I, I really don't care what their lyrics say. They're not Christians. They're artists that are making money. And I've got a real, real problem with the ones that know truth and leave truth. 
I've seen it all my life. They get to a certain stage and the stage is too big for their witness. So they throw away their witness so they can get a bigger check. The Lord said, you got to watch out for those people. They're following after their own spirit and they're not going to see anything. Listen, I'm not telling you we've got to be isolated from the world, but a little insulation never hurt us. I'm sorry, but I don't care anything about singing songs that in their music videos, they call them Christian, but they're on the, on this, well, it's not a platform. They call it a stage. It is what it is. And they're on that platform grabbing their crotch and twerking and dancing all around. But because they say Jesus, we turn our kids loose with it. I'm not going to turn my kids loose to that same spirit that's behind them. They're getting their motivation. They're getting their motivation from another spirit and it is not of God. I don't care how great their lyrics are. If they are worldly entertainment, then they're worldly. I'm going to preach this if it dehorns every cow in Texas. I can think of a time when you'd preach something like this and people would almost stand on their heads. But now we're ashamed because it's moved in too close to us. And so, what we find is the Lord coming. Let, let me hurry up and get to where I'm going. The Lord said to Ezekiel, he said, I want you to prophesy to those women. He said, I want you to prophesy to those daughters of thy people. In verse 17, they prophesy out of their own heart. And they pro- he said, I want you to prophesy against them, and I want you to say, thus saith the Lord God. Woe to the women that sew pillows to all armholes. This is how my brain works. I was studying in Ezekiel the other morning and I'm like, Woe to the women that sew pillows to armholes. God, you're on something here. They're like, what is it? So I knew, with the nature of God being as it is, this is not surface level. God was not just saying, I got a problem with people that sew pillows. In my house and in my office that got overtaken, these are in every stupid seat I got. Walk in my office, I'm like, hang on, let me move 18 pillows. We'll sit down and have a chat. But boy, do they look good. When you got to go to bed and unmake the bed to get in bed. So that's what I've come to preach to you about tonight. Woe to the pillow makers. He said, woe to the women. That sew pillows to all armholes and handkerchiefs, kerchiefs, or veils upon the head of every stature to hunt souls. This is deep. It gets crazy. So I start researching this, and I'm digging deep, and I'm, I'm like, there's something in here. There's got to be 
And that word pillows, is a, it's one of those words in Hebrew that can mean more than one thing. The only other way that it's used in the King James Scripture is for pillows. It's used twice. But it can also mean charms. Uh, and so a lot of people say that what the Lord was saying to Ezekiel was that these false prophetesses, and if we worked through the chapter and had time tonight, I, I would go a little deeper into this part. We know for sure that these prophets and uh, false prophets and false prophetesses were using divination. In other words, it was witchcraft. They were using witchcraft. And so uh, there's some, especially old Hebrew writers, that feel like what Ezekiel was saying is that these women had sewn charms around their arms and they were using this to charm people. But when you get to the nature of how it's written, the context of the verse is not what the women are wearing. It's what the women are providing. So I would say, is everybody with me? Have I lost you yet? So I would say that there's probably some life that we could give to it. That if they're using divination, there was probably charms and veils involved on them that they had on. Perhaps. More than likely, as they do today in witchcraft. If you've had to deal with it at all, there's like jewelry and certain things that they, they use and charms and uh, jewels and different things. They use that for incantations and, and, and putting curses on people. So more than likely that was in the picture. But the context of what the Lord told Ezekiel was not about what the women themselves, the false prophetesses, were wearing. He said, woe to the women that sew pillows. Now, I'm going to break this down where everybody in here can understand exactly what I'm preaching to you, okay? And then I'm going to preach my sermon. I'm almost done with my introduction. He said, Woe to the women that are sewing pillows together for every elbow. When you talk about the armholes, the armholes were found at the elbow. In the garment, right beneath the hole of the garment where your arm goes, would be the elbow. And the literal translation of this is woe to the women that sew pillows together. For all armholes. Not for theirs. But they're providing for others. Watch this. And kerchiefs for the head of every stature. In other words, for every walk of life. Doesn't matter how tall they are and I'll get to the kerchiefs in a minute. But these women are providing pillows for somebody's elbows. And so then I'm lost. I'm like, okay. So God, you're sending a warning to the women that are trying to bring comfort to people. And that's when it dawned on me. I started using words like, that's not dangerous. That's comfort. That's comfortable. They're providing a level of comfort to people. And the Lord said, you big dummy, look at the context of what you're reading. I'm telling him to prophesy against these women. What is it that they're providing comfort in? And when you look at the context, it becomes crystal clear. The Lord is saying, woe to the women that are lying with false doctrine and false prophecy, but they're making pillows for every elbow to lean back on so that even if you're deceived, you are comfortable in your deception. They didn't sit at tables like we do. At the Lord's Supper, when we read all that, 
I, I know you got all that Da Vinci stuff out there, and they're, that's not how they sat around the table. They did not sit around the table in chairs like we do. They sat around the table on flat bench-like, almost beds, like everywhere they went. It was like beds, and they had pillows that would cover that. And then it was very common as they sat like that, and this is where all this nonsense comes from in our houses, men, is that they would have loose pillows on the bed, and people would grab those pillows, and they would prop themselves up on them, and they'd pop grapes in their mouth, and they'd eat and drink and be merry. They propped themselves up on pillows. But these people that the Lord was talking about, he said, these are women that are prophesying lies. They are saying that God is doing one thing and God is accepting one thing, but really God is accepting the absolute opposite of what they're saying. So if you back out and you look at the context of the whole book, we're in the book of Ezekiel. Is everybody still with me? If y'all go to snoring, I'm going to quit. But I want to tell you that Ezekiel was standing in a place that God was using him to prophesy to the children of Israel and say, get up out of your slumber. God is trying to wake you up. God is trying to keep you from falling into this false doctrine. All of these prophets are lying to you and they're telling you that everything is all right. If you read the context of the chapter, he said they're building houses out of stuff that's going to fall apart and then painting over it. He said they're painting a picture that is not reality and that is not the will of God. And so here you've got a voice. Watch this now. This will make so much sense to you. You've got the voice of a man that's saying get out of your comfort zone. Don't fall into that. Don't live like that. Don't do that. And then there comes this woman along that says, oh, let me tell you God doesn't care if you do that. Matter of fact, why don't you just sit down there? Why, 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 don't, why don't you just sit down there and, 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 and Rex, come here, Noah. I, you don't mind if I pick on you, do you? You don't mind being lazy, do you? Would you just sit, sit down there on the bottom floor and just kind of kind of lean back there against him? Boy, you look good even when you're leaning. Now, I, I know that's not real comfortable, Noah, so I, I just want to. Is that good? Is that okay? I ain't feeding you grapes, you dirty dog. Just. just here, I, I want you to be comfortable. This is, I just want you. To, is that is that okay right now? You just relax, okay? And and I I just want to tell you, Noah, that holiness doesn't really matter. God God's going to build the kind of church out of people that just love Jesus. And you're okay, son. If you want to be worldly, don't you don't you listen? There's probably going to be a voice that comes along. Let me flip this up. Are you okay? Okay, I just want to be sure you're all right. Don't want your feelings to be hurt at all. Because there's going to be voices that are going to cry out and they're going to say, we, we don't dress like that. We, we don't live like that. We don't, we don't go there. But Noah, you don't have to listen to that. I want you to be so comfortable just the way that you are. The Lord said, woe to the women that are sewing these pillows together. Because all they're doing is bringing comfort in a place that the Word of God has been trying to bring discomfort. I've come, no, you just stay right there. I want you to be comfortable. I've come to preach to this church tonight, and I don't really have much of a filter for what I'm preaching because I'm tired of the devil lying. 
and I'm tired of the devil trying to show his ugly face. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care how many pillows are sewn. And I, I, it really doesn't matter to me what everybody else is saying. I've come to stand up and tell you that the church cannot afford to be asleep in the end time. We cannot afford to revert to worldliness so that we think we're more relevant to the world. Oh, God, help me. I'm half tempted to just mute this video for a second, but I, I'm going to preach it. And I'm going to tell you, I get frustrated this time of year with all the, the liberties that people take with open and blatant Satanism. And then they say we're going to use it for evangelism. Let me tell you something, FPC. I have absolutely nothing in common with anything that's ever happened on Halloween, ever. I preach it every year. I think that I've been your pastor. I preach it every year to my knowledge. At some point, I preach it to you. I preach to you about Anton LaVey, who was the founder of the Church of Satan. And he said, the thing that I love about Halloween is it makes every Christian a Satanist for at least one day out of the year. And you can talk to people that have been involved in the occult. They say, when you start letting your children dress up and you start dancing around with all of that stuff and tricks or treats and all of the stuff that you got going he said you don't realize what you're opening your children up to hey can I tell you that when hell is trying to give us a signal itself their own doctrine they can't hide it they want us to know that this is the year and the night and the time of year that satanism and witchcraft is celebrated but we're going to jump on that and say oh I hope we win somebody I'm not saying this to be arrogant. But some of these folks, they're oblivious to the fact that witchcraft is real. It's a spirit of divination. But do you know what's happened with witchcraft? You can give a lot of thanks to old Mr. Walter Disney. We've let Walt just come in with our kids. It's okay. It's just sorcery, but we're going to make it a cartoon. So it's okay. We're going to make him look really, really cute. But what you don't know is that while you're asleep and your mom and dad are asleep, I'm not finished with you. I, I look back to my childhood, and I can't believe how, how open and blatant it was. And we just, we didn't really understand it then. I look back at the little Smurfs. Weren't they cute? Do you know who Gargamel is? Yeah, dummy, he's the warlock. That's right. Always standing over a pot. <laughs> I'm going to get them. I'm, I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them. You know, when you start understanding demonology, do you know that Gargamel is the name of an actual demon? That is a demon of death. And its babysat our children for years. We think it's cute because he puts on cute little round rim glasses. But when kids are flying around on brooms. And they're visiting wizards to get wisdom. I get uncomfortable. 
But when we got women sewing pillows and putting it under their children's elbows and saying, Pastor just has convictions that we don't. Come on, somebody. I, I, I know some of you probably think I'm preaching out of my flesh, but I wish you could have been here with me today. I've been seeking after God. I've been trying to get this in my spirit. God, what is it you want me to listen? I don't have the convictions that I have and preach what I preach in this church because I don't have nothing better to preach. I preach it because I believe that from the platform to the parking lot, we got to get something in our spirit that says we are different than the rest of the world. But it wasn't just pillows. I'm preaching woe to the pillow makers. He said they make pillows for every elbow. He said and then they make kerchiefs for every stature. What this means is whether it's a little boy or a full grown man. We have a veil that's large enough to completely cover their eyes. Every stature. They believed that they had handkerchiefs that were small enough that if they put it over a baby, a little child, it would cover its eyes. But if he's a six foot four tall man, big broad shoulders, he had something big enough that when they put it on, it completely veiled. Listen, here's the problem with that spirit. Just because our eyes are covered to it doesn't mean that the witchcraft stopped. They said if we can get pillows under their elbows and a veil over their eyes, we can say whatever we want to say. And the Bible said it was for a handful of barley. Now watch this. This is what you can't figure out from the scripture. And if you figure it out, we'll sit down and talk about it over coffee. But this is what we can't figure out. We can't figure out if the people... We're so hungry for an answer that in a difficult season they brought barley to the women. Or if the women were saying, we know you're hungry. So we're going we're gonna to woo you into our home by giving you a handful of barley. Either way, this is a problem that is built out of emptiness and hunger. People who are always empty are always looking for the next place to get a bite. But we get so satisfied. God have mercy. If I can just if I can just make the veil long enough. Just just long enough. Now he don't know where I'm at. He hears my voice. But he don't have a clue what I'm doing. Cause he can't see me. And do you know what happens to somebody? I know what happens to me. When the room is dark and I get relaxed and you cover my eyes. It ain't long before I start dozing off. And then when I doze off. You can say whatever you want. And you can do whatever you want to do. But for every man and woman that falls asleep. There's a little kid standing there that now the witch has access to. Because mother and dad have went ahead and 
bought into the veil and said, just go ahead and cover up our eyes. It's all right with us. We're comfortable here. Church family, if I believe I've ever heard from the Lord, I believe I've heard from the Lord tonight. And I'm here. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm here to wreck some pillows. I'm not here to be ugly. I'm not here to hurt anybody. I want to love people. Man, if I'm ever guilty of anything, I want to be guilty of loving people. But you just understand this preacher when I tell you. It's time to go home and start getting into the pillows that we've created. I know. You'd rather be comfortable, son. But we go to prayer meeting in this house. Come on, Noah. I want you to stand up. I want you to turn around. I want you to get down on your knees. There ain't no pillows with this. Because this is where we die. We don't come to prayer meeting and lay on pillows. We come to prayer meeting to get on our face. I want to tell you something, folks. We don't have a problem with praying people getting carnal. We have a problem with people that ought to be praying getting carnal. Woe to the women that are sitting around the house. Saying, oh, I think it's cute. Baby, don't you worry about pastor. I'll handle him if he says anything. If they try to get you out of the choir, baby, I'll take care of pastor. I know how to handle him. You know what? You can probably handle me. But I'm not worried about you handling me. I'm worried about you standing before God. And him saying, I sent you warning after warning. But you kept on sewing pillows. And you kept on putting them under your children. And you took pillows and you put them underneath your marriage. And when I tried to warn you that your marriage is going to fall apart. And when I tried to tell you to stay away from that boy. You don't need to marry that boy. You don't need to marry that girl. And I've given you warning after warning. You keep putting pillows under it. And you keep making yourself believe it's going to be a comfortable ride. I've come to tear up some pillows tonight. I've come to declare to somebody. You better listen to the voice of the Holy Ghost I want to know how many times does God have to give us a warning before we finally get sick of fighting God and saying I'll put another pillow on it marriages don't fall apart overnight People don't backslide overnight. Come on, I've, I'm already this far, so I'm just going to get in it. You start backsliding and falling apart when overtime takes precedence over glory time. I know men and women got to provide for their families. If you know me, you know I believe in that. If a man don't work, he don't eat. If he don't provide for his family, he's worse than an infidel. But I don't have to provide so much for my family in this present world that I lose everything in the next world. 
Come on, I'm not preaching anything different to you than what Jesus preached. He said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? He's got enough money to buy all the pillows that he needs. He can put pillows everywhere and under every elbow in the house. But I wonder what's going to happen on judgment day when the pillows start getting taken out. We need some men that will be man enough to apologize. Look your kids in the eye and say, I haven't been the spiritual leader in this house. There's a difference in being a provider, Brother Wendell Evans, and being a spiritual leader in our homes. I don't care what the bank account says. If our children, if prayer, oh God, if prayer and the word is foreign in our houses, You know what the Holy Ghost has been doing in this place tonight? And I've been watching it on people's faces. I'll take the hit if I need to take the hit. But the Holy Ghost has been moving pillows. And I want you to listen to what I'm telling you. You just mark it down tonight and hear me in the Holy Ghost. If you're not careful, you're going to let the work of the Holy Ghost make you mad against your shepherd. But I'm just the mailman. And I've come to tell you tonight, men, because I'm a man. It's time to man up. Come on. It's time to man up. We got to link arms, Brother Tony. We need an army of men in this church. We need an army of men that are well equipped and they are well armed. That whenever the enemy tries to come to their house, they open up their mouth and they start declaring, We won't be at ease in this house. We're not going to be at ease in Zion in this house. No, no, you're not going to guilt me into Netflix, son. You're not going to guilt me into that stupid game. It ain't going to happen. You're not going to guilt me into buying you that game because 14 of your friends have that game. I can't even imagine letting something called Grand Theft Auto... That's a sentence. It's a crime committed that a judge hangs over somebody and we let our kids play it as a game. It's not even real, Pastor. It's a game. That's right. You know what it is? It's a pillow for the elbow. You just relax right there. And when you become a man, then you can decide if you want to live for God. Sixteen is a terrible time for our kids to choose. If we have our kids choose kingdom or entertainment, they're going to choose entertainment every time. Until they get it settled in their own hearts. I want us to just stand in here tonight. I got so much I, I could preach. I've been, I'm telling you, I've been digging in this for over a month probably. But I know I've heard from God. And all I can tell the Lord tonight, Bishop, is I'm not going to be the pillow maker. My prayer is, Brother Joe, if my kids get pillows, they're going to have to get them somewhere besides my house. 
The Bible said that in Luke 15, when that prodigal left home to live a sinful life, it said he joined himself to a citizen of a far country because his daddy had built their house that far away from that lifestyle. There ain't going to be no pillow making in the St. Clair house. So I'm reaching in this place tonight. There's something that God's trying to do in here tonight. And you're either going to fight this with our flesh or we're going to let the Holy Ghost move and work. But I, I'm looking for some parents in here tonight, just to be honest. Maybe some grandparents, some saints of God. That'll make your way to this altar. I'm not talking about standing in your own seat. I'm talking about getting out. Visibly showing your kids. If you've got kids here, bringing them with you. And saying there ain't going to be no pillows in our house. Woe to the pillow makers. Who make pillows for every elbow. Because we want it to be as comfortable as we can as we lie to you. We want you to be as comfortable as you can be while we deceive you. We want to preach a doctrine to you that's easy believism. I, I want to preach to you that there's an, there's an easier way to live for God. So let me make you a pillow. I, I want you to find you a church that don't have standards. And let, 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 let's just put a pillow there for that. I want you to find a church that don't believe in holiness. And let's just get you a pillow. for Let's just sew you a pillow and put it under your arm. And say the things that used to matter don't matter anymore, Bishop. The only way a man can ever stop preaching this truth is to keep sewing pillows. Brother Hensel, I feel this tonight in the Holy Ghost. We got too many pillow makers in the kingdom. We need some folks that will wreck this thing tonight. When you go home, you'll lay your hands on your kid's head and say in the name of Jesus. Every spirit that would try to penetrate their mind. Every spirit that would promote for them to live. Our poor kids are so confused. God, they're so confused. There's so much confusion in this world right now. They don't know what they are, up or down, or boy or girl. They don't know what they are. I I want you to know there's no pillows for that in your house. You need to let your children know God created you in His image. You were created in the image of God. And you are beautiful to God. What God created you to be is what God wants you to be. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. When you get in Matthew, the 24th chapter, it starts. By saying that there would be false Christs that would rise and would deceive. 
then there would be false prophets that would rise and they would deceive. And the last time it's mentioned, he said that if the Lord doesn't hurry up and come back, even the elect would be deceived. I find it amazing that the number one spirit working in the end time is a spirit of deception. And every bit of it comes, even in Matthew 24, with a religious context that it's false Christ and false prophets. If we're not careful, we're going to start doing things in the name of Jesus and propping our families up on pillows. But God sent me here tonight. Listen, I love you precious people. I hope you know that. But I, I didn't come to this pulpit tonight to be your friend. I came to this pulpit tonight to be your shepherd. And I'm telling you, it's time to get rid of some pillows. Mamas, quit putting pressure on daddy. Put your sewing kit away and get the pillows out of the house. Dads, I'm not promoting there to be any trouble in your marriage, but y'all need to have a private meeting, not in front of the kids. And say, there's some things that we've been letting go. We're not going to let it go in this house anymore. And when the kids have questions, when the kids have questions, they don't get to go ask mom. And when she says no, dad says yes. We cannot afford for the church, God have mercy. We cannot afford for the church to get out of alignment in our homes. Because then we're out of alignment in the body. Woe to the pillow makers. God... I pray that you would make us so uncomfortable. I don't want to expose my kids to things that make them uncomfortable. And then put a pillow underneath them to soothe it, God. I don't want to veil their eyes, Lord, with a veil. Just so they can't see what's going on. I want to put them in the voices of people that love this truth. And preach this truth and live this truth. Could we lift our hands all across this room tonight?